Knowledge is the fuel that powers intelligent buying and selling. So get a quick recharge with me, Ron Edwards, Master Sommelier and Director of Wine Education for Winebow, Fine Wine, and Spirits. Welcome to WineSmart. I'm Ron Edwards, and I'm here today with Monique Houston, Vice President of Spirits Portfolio. And we're going to talk about agave and specifically kind of this perceived, well, there's just an untruth perception about what's going on in agave production. So why don't we, why don't we start the conversation with, you know, as I look around the landscape of agave spirits, I can't help but wonder how in the world are there this many bottles of tequila and mezcal out on a marketplace just in the U.S., forget the rest of the world, knowing what little bit I know about the production of agave and how long it takes to bring an agave plant from beginning to actual ready to, to harvest. So, you know, could you talk about the life cycle and give us an idea of how this really comes to be? Absolutely. And and I'd say too, seeing the explosion in bottles available, even just in the past couple of years, and it, it, it's an odd concentration that it feels like we're reading more and more that we're in some kind of crisis, but we're seeing more and more on the shelf. Yeah. How does that really come about? Uh, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that most of the crops that we use, and I know you're always talking about grapes, um, and in my line of work, we're often talking about whiskey. So we're thinking about grains and grapes, things that ripen annually. And so you have an annuity on that crop and you can harvest and then, you know, completely mature, you know, grape or grains with all the right sugar, sacrification, all of those things and make wine or spirits from them. Mm -hmm. Agave is completely different. Agave's life cycle um, is very different depending on the type of agave. So there are agaves that are a little bit more, um, maybe a a little bit kind of like in in land that gets more water, um, that gets more sun, that gets the right balance of things. And those might come to maturity a little bit more quickly. There are some that are growing on, you know, rocky hillsides and they're kind of rough and ready. And those might take many, many more years, but just to make it really simple, blue agave, Weber blue agave, which is what we, the only agave that we can use to make tequila, proper tequila, one of the agave spirits, um, Weber blue agave typically matures anywhere from six to 10 years, you know, so many more life cycles than kind of grapes or grains. And some of the um, agave that we see used in mezcal production can take up to 30, 40, 50 years. So a, a good friend of mine in the mezcal industry once put it very well, when you think about grapes or grains, they give a haircut annually to go into that wine, to go into that spirit. Agave truly gives its entire life. It has one life cycle. It has one time to be harvested, one time to be used in the spirit. That's just crazy to think about. I mean, I've I've had a couple of the tequilas that are more, I've had a couple of the mezcals that have come from these like 50 year maturity versions of agave. and, And it's, I don't know, it's kind of, the experience and the thought process is very similar to taking a sip of a very old bottle of Armagnac or a very old bottle of wine where you're like, there's just not going to be any more of, of this, but that's, that's really fascinating. And, and it, I can't wrap my head around the idea of how, how, what do growers do to keep growing agave in general, knowing this, right. Considering demand, and also to keep the full diversity, especially when we're talking about all agave spirits, you know, you've already defined that you know tequila has one specific um, species, subspecies, but there are many. And diversity is a big topic right now in all aspects of life. And um, so, give us a little insight into that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the really fascinating things is that most people don't realize that the pollinator for agave, so you think about plants that grow in the desert, it's hot, it's dry. Um, these plants only mature once in their life cycle. And so when they do, they um, send up a shoot called a quiote. So that's the thing that signals after 5, 10, 30, 40, 50 years that, that the plant is ripe and is ready, has the right amount of sugar to be um, completely ready to create something. But its intention is to create new life. And those flowers then that come off the plant or that are on the plant when it ripens, those are really supposed to be pollinated at night so that the flowers don't just, you know, dry up and fall off, but at night by bats. So bats are really important, a super important part of the life cycle of agave. And a lot of folks don't know that. So we can't be killing off bats or trapping bats. And I know some people are very scared of bats, but in agave production, we need bats. And with that, they're grabbing the pollen off the flowers, sometimes even little seedlings that are kind of starting to grow and dropping them other places. They're, then they get cross-pollinated with things, um, maybe even with other varietals, creating new varietals or being put in a patch of land that's particularly arable for that agave type. And that's what keeps us from creating a monoculture. And in mezcal production, you can use about 50 different types of agave to create mezcal in, in the, certi the certified states in Mexico. With Weber Blue Agave, specific to tequila, that is more often kind of farmed, you know, for lack of a better term. You can grab the offshoots of the plants and you can replant them. Um, so you would actually then pollinate them yourself and replant them. But there are types of agave used in mezcal production that can only be propagated using bats and, and proper pollination techniques. So... You don't want to narrow the, you know, the, the range of that species, but two, if you decide to let something go, an agave plant to go to flower, you can no longer use it for production of a spirit. Mm -hmm. So you've got to choose one direction or the other. Do you want to make money off of, you know, what you would get out of the pina of this plant by turning it into mezcal or tequila? Or do you want to take 5%, 10% of your crop and use it to, you know, continue to procreate the species? And that's a really tough decision. Very expensive decision. Very expensive decision, especially in a, well, Mexico isn't considered a wealthy country. And so now we're talking about um, supplying needs of our families versus supplying needs of the long term. And that's got to be a really hard decision for people. Um, so, so given these constraints, how in the world can there be so much agave spirit in the market right now at what I would consider reasonable prices, considering the arduous nature of getting anywhere near the fact you can make an agave spirit uh, properly. So this is an absolute crisis, but why isn't it being perceived as a crisis? It's, it's very, um, yeah, it's just, it's not linear and it's not really logical. It doesn't, you're, to your point, it doesn't really make any sense as continued demand has driven um, more and more, you know, people to, they'll harvest agave younger and younger. We can get into that another, another time. Um, but well, there's but also. Touch on it briefly though, because, you know, we've already said to the, our audience just now that it's really not mature until six to eight years. So if you harvest it younger, how is it useful? I mean, just give us a, a quick snapshot. Yes. Maybe we'll have a full episode on just that later, but don't leave them hanging too much. Sure. You can actually legally now take agave out of the ground at two years old. And so it'd be like trying to make banana bread out of green bananas. There's not mm -hmm. going to be a lot of natural sugar there. It's not going to be great. Those um, very small, very light piñas that are definitely not ripe, the sugars are, are not there, then are treated um, with different chemical processes and put through what's called a diffuser process to create tequila more quickly. Mm -hmm. Hemadors, the folks that take the piñas out of the ground, are paid by the kilo. 
So then that means you have to take even more out of the ground, even younger, in order to be able to make money and support your family. So it just continues to amplify the problems that are already there. With the growth, especially during the pandemic, really of um, premium and super premium tequila, mezcal has just skyrocketed during the past two years. It essentially means that anyone who had agave, wild agave, agave on their property, agave growing on communal property, or who knows whose property, it all became a little bit more, I don't want to say fair game, that's certainly not the legal term, but people saw this demand, screaming demand in the United States for it. And you just see people coming up with brands on their own, people working more with collectives, and we're not really going to see the crisis isn't here right now. We're hearing about it. The crisis is probably really coming in a few more years when we don't have any really ripe kind of um, more interesting strains of agave to harvest. Because right now it's kind of like it's the hot time, like the market's hot for it. Let's get everything out there that we can. Wow. So is there like a warning sign that that a consumer could know about or a buyer that's buying for a restaurant or a retail space to say, well, okay, this if I'm buying, I don't know, at this price point or whatever, how do we help them maintain the future while still supporting agave spirits? Because we all want to support agave spirits, but how do we do it responsibly? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, there are ways to look up um, agave spirits that are, you know, that are that can be organic, that can have no additives, that are non-diffuser produced. Um, there's also a bat-friendly certification. Um, there were a lot more people participating in bat-friendly certification pre-COVID. That meant that you had to let 10% of your agave crop go to seed. Um, mm -hmm. And that just became not affordable for a lot of our producers during the pandemic. So some people will go back to it when it becomes mm -hmm. a little bit more viable. Um, but, you know, we've got some fabulous producers that we work with. And I know we're going to send out some links to some of those producers later. But you want to look for things like non-diffuser, no additives, um, those things are very, very important. And if you can find something with bat-friendly certification, that is someone who is really committed to every step of the process. Because in their case, they're willing to give up current profit for long-term sustainable profit. Absolutely. Which is always admirable and often hard to pull off. And yes, in the show notes, you want to scroll down and look in the show notes because we're going to have links to um, brands that we know and support and stand behind that are definitely doing this the right way and not costing the future in, in exchange for the now. Monique, great to chat with you as always. Thanks for taking the time.